Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Eyes of the Mize. My name is John. That's Ian. Dent, 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 dent. Do, 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 do. <laughs> okay. Musical thing we did today because, John, episode. Yeah, today's, ep- this is uh, January 28th, episode 138. Uh, it is, of course, episode title um, Alexander Clamenton. Clamilton. Clamenton. Clamilton. You messed it up. <laughs> And also, I was uh, off we'll key, but a post. Alexander Clamilton. My name is Alexander Clamilton. <laughs> so, oh, so side note, I mentioned this on Twitter earlier today. There are people doing parodies of this, and I love it. It's great. However, you really need to work on the rhyme scheme and fitting the actual like cadence of the song, please. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do any. Th- I didn't do any parodies because I couldn't make it work. Like I was You're also married to a music teacher, so I was also I also did musical theater in high school and such, and have a very big musical theater background in my life. So yes. <laughs> so what you're telling me is your standards for this are very high. Yes, very much so. <laughs> I will. Uh, I would, I've, been, I've literally been mulling over it all day. My favorite um, thing about Alexander Clamilton is on the Reddit thread. Gavin popped in and said, "This is the fam- favorite name they had in the entire thing." And he was also a, he was also a, you know sad they couldn't fit in flavor text, um, and it was um, it was going to be who lives who dies who shells your story. Yeah. Anyway, so if you're wondering what the heck we're rambling about right now, because <laughs> I just realized we've buried the lead massively on this one. Yeah, we did. Um, there was a surprise. So we knew that unsanctioned was coming in twenty in twenty twenty. Yes. And we knew it was coming like Q1 2020. We just didn't know it was coming on February 29th of this year. Leap day. <laughs> and they used today as the preview announcement. Um, the TLDR is that you can find all of them sanctioned online. It was previewed by Cracked. Um, basically what it is is you're going to buy five 30-card decks, one of each monocolor. What you'll do is you and a friend sit down, grab two of the decks at random, shuffle them together, and play against each other. They're all silver-bordered cards except for the basic lands, which we'll get to a little bit later. Uh, and one of them is um, Alexander Clamilton, uh, which, by the way, he is two in a blue for an 04 legendary cre- fo- creature, Clamfolk Advisor Rebel. Uh, for those who don't know, Clamfolk was one of the tribes of Unglued, the original silver bordered product. Uh, he reads, whenever you cast a wordy spell, scry two, a spell is wordy if it has four or more lines of rules text. That, that's actually reminder text on the card, by the way. Yes. Uh, then you can pay one in a red and tap Alexander Clamilton. To choose target creature you don't control, reveal the top card of your library. Alexander Clamilton gets plus X plus O until end of turn where X is the number of lines of rules text of the revealed card. Then Alexander Clamilton fights that creature. So it is beautiful in all accounts. It's And the art is just ridiculous. It's The clam folk all look really ridiculous. It's a clam with like big cartoonish eyes dressed in like colonial garb. Holding a dang super soaker. That's a very cartoonish super soaker at that. Yeah, that's basically like the best description I can give for it. Yeah. Um, it's great. I love it. Anyway. Real quick, Ian. Yes. What is one of what is your favorite card not named Alexander Clamilton From, of the new cards that they preview? Um oh I know mine. I mean Flavor Judge is great. Yeah, Flavor Judge is great. But I've gotta go with Bevy of Beebles. <laughs> Bevy of Beebles, man. I honestly, so the last, uh, what was it? Unhinged? Uh, unstable. Unstable. We were told in Unstable that was going to be Jeff Miracola's last Beeble card. And we got another Beeble card. 
<laughs> like I am stoked because one of the first, like I said, I always go back to this. One of the first booster boxes I ever opened up was a birthday present of mine of Urza's Legacy. And they had Bouncing Beebles in that. And Bouncing Beebles is just like a dumb card. But but I, I did, it was just so like over the top funny that I thought it was hilarious. Anyway, Bouncing Beebles is a two and a blue, two, two at common reading, or it's a creature Beeble. Reading, Bouncing Beebles is unblockable if defending player controls an artifact. Now, keep in mind, this is Urza block, so this basically just read 2 and a blue, 2-2, two, two, unblockable. It yeah. was hilarious to use back in the day. And it's just cute as heck, plus Beeble cards are just... <laughs> they're so So, so what, does, what does Bevy of Beebles, a.k.a. Bob, do? <laughs> so there's a, Yeah, so now we have an actual Bob card. So get out of the way, Bob. <laughs> Uh, so Bevy of Beebles is three, blue, blue, legendary planeswalker, B.O.B. As B.O.B., Bevy of Beebles, enters the battlefield, create four 1-1 one, one blue Beeble creature tokens. The number of loyalty counters on Bob is equal to the number of Beebles you control. Create or sacrifice Beebles whenever Bob gains or loses loyalty. So plus one Beeble, up to X target Beebles can't be blocked this turn where X is the number of cards in your hand. And then you have minus one Beeble. So sacrifice a Beeble, draw a card. Plain and simple. It's not super powerful, but it's hilarious and I love it. Yeah, I mean, I I did a uh, cube thread on some of these cards and I talked about Bevy of Beebles and I'm like, this is a really cool design. But the problem is it dies to your Wraths because when you destroy all your creatures you'll lose all your beebles and then you'll lose your bevy of beebles. This has to be the first planeswalker that dies to a wrath. Uh yeah, because all the gideons get indestructible. Well, I'm just talking like just like wrath of god. Like straight yeah, yeah, up yeah, old yeah. school wrath of god. None of like the crazy ones today I think, with I the think extra text. But yeah, just like straight up wrath of god kill your creatures, bevy of beebles dies unless you give everything indestructible. Yes. <laughs> um but that's a my favorite case. card. Yeah, what's yours? My favorite card is uh, the, the first one that's in the article is uh, Circadian Night Owl. Um, oh, God, it's so good. It's three white, white for a 4-4 four, four legendary creature, Bird Knight. Uh, it has Night Life Link, which reads damage dealt by knights you control also causes you to gain that much life. Uh, you can pay white to give Circadian uh, Vigilance until end of turn, but you can only activate this between Sunrise and Sunset. And then you can pay black to give Circadian Flying until end of turn. But you can only activate this ability from sunset to sunrise. And it's a 4 Obviously, the joke here is on the circadian rhythm of your sleep patterns. Um, and I also just love Night Lifelink. Dude, Night Lifelink is hilarious. Uh, I think somebody was saying it's, like, it's the best portmanteau in, in like all of Magic. Um, it probably is. And circadian is just also just a good card. Like, a lot of these legendaries, like, you know, Alexander Clamilton, is a, is, he's a build-around, but he's still really good. I think Circadian is just solid, just great, I think. Um, so it's going to be really cool to see how um, how these play out because um, there's one of there's one planes, or there's one creature here that's a Cornelia Fashionable Filcher, who is a black-green uh, squirrel legend for commander for people who want to play squirrel decks. Um, so I'll be interested to see how they kind of, you know, oh. pan out in those formats because they also did a similar thing with uh, Surgeon Commander. Uh, who's three and a green for a 3-3 legendary creature, Wombat Bat Chameleon. If you look at the art, you see what I mean. Uh, that says whenever you augment, enchant, or mutate a creature, you control, draw a card. 
and then it has tab, add white, blue, black, red, or green. The or being key there. The or being key there. And then has likes, augmentation, fluffy animals, and creative templating. Because without spelling it out, Surgeon Commander would only be a mono green creature, not a five color creature for commander purposes. Yeah, one other thing is too is that it doesn't add Wooberg or anything like that. But finally enough, we might actually have what people are calling a quote unquote Tarmogoyf situation with Surgeon General Commander in that we know what Augment is, we know what Enchant is, but we do not know what Mutate does. Yeah, so the common theme is that thinking is that mutate must be a keyword from um, Ikoria. From Ikoria. Yeah. Because we're talking, they, because Morrow has talked about a bunch of like build a, build a beast kind of thing like that. So everyone's like, okay. Which is what the augment host mechanic was in Unstable. And it, but Mutate kind of fits in the scheme of maybe we do this. One thing we didn't mention with a Cornelia is that they actually have a new resource. Well, <laughs> yes, you can get an acorn counter, which is functions basically like energy. I'm not really going <laughs> to, but it's, but it's a thing, though. That's true. Um, it is the other thing I was. The other thing I wanted to mention is um, they are reprint. Excuse me, reprinting Timmy Power Gamer with brand new uh, this art. This time with uh, new art. Oh, and a flavor text update. So instead of just yes. wait till I get my Leviathan, it now says just wait till I get my Gigantosaurus. Yeah. Anyways. Oh, um, I mentioned I mentioned Flavor Judge. I should read out what Flavor Judge is because it's so flavorful. So Flavor yes. Judge, one in a white, two-two, creature, bird, advisor. It says, tap, choose target spell or ability that targets a permanent you control. Then ask a person outside the game, so not you or the player, players you're playing, if the story of what will happen makes sense. If they say no, sacrifice Flavor Judge and counter that spell or ability. The flavor text reads, and now they're trying to make a brick wall on my property fight a dinosaur to the death. So, yeah. Yeah, finally, you can protect your Ulamog, the ceaseless hunger, from a tragic slip. <laughs> it just it hit a banana peel. Come on. <laughs> it hit an interdimensional banana peel and fell over. All right, I'm never asking you for advice on when I'm using Flavor Judge. <laughs> it works, though. <laughs> it totally works. Just remember, uncards are not tournament legal. These are not going to be able to be played in any in any format that would be competitive. Uh, but Magic is multiple games for multiple people. Um, the loony and the zany stuff that Silver Border cards get to do can inspire future mechanics in actual Black Border Magic. Um, and in the article on Cracked, which we'll put a link to below, um, they meant someone asks Mark Rosewater about the Planeswalker Bevy of Evils, and he's like, "So I just made a bunch of different designs and handed them to the franchise team, and they said." I said, which one of these would you be willing to do? And it turns out they're willing to do a lot of them, but not Bevy of Beebles. They said, that's all you, Mark. Nice. <laughs> so it'll be really cool to see this. Um, it comes out again at the end of February, so I will probably be getting it myself just because it looks like a blast. And I also think that there's a couple cards I might try out in my cube. So we'll see. Also, speaking of the legality thing, so I'm going to make a brief mention of the quote-unquote Rule Zero for stuff like Commander is that if you and your playgroup who you're playing with have no problem with you playing with goofy silver-bordered cards, then you can play with your silver-bordered cards. So if yeah. you want to have an Uncommander night, go for it. So speaking yeah. of Uncommander, though, there is also a very nice fixing land that they revealed. Underdome. <laughs> yes, Underdome. You, you tap it taps it, for C. It taps for colorless, or it taps for one mana of any color spent only to pay silver-bordered costs. So... 
It's pretty good. It's really cool. It's pretty good for under- Oh, so let's talk about the lands, though. Oh, yeah, the basics. The basics are fire. Hot fire. They are amazing. So what they try to do is we've had three unsets before this, and they've each had a distinctive basic land. So the original with Unglued had kind of brown It was the first border. full art. Yeah, first full art, but it had brown border, and it had like a weird kind of filigree lay around it's the land It's kind of like you're art. looking at the cover of an old like book with like a leather binding around it, a le- leather cover, and then like a piece of art in the middle. Yeah, then you had... Was it un- unhinged? Unhinged. Had the I always full get the, art. Yeah, unhinged had the full art, but it was just kind of like the square border around the edge of it. Then you had unstable, which had full bleed to the edge. Yeah. Art. So what they did is they kind of kit bashed all of those together mm-hmm. and made these Adam Paquette drawn arts that are just absolutely amazing. And you get five non-foil and five foil in each. Uh, pack and then you also get an additional bunch of like half arts i guess you can call them like this like your regular your standard your standard frame arts yeah yeah so uh and in all the standard frame arts uh they are there is a hidden squirrel yeah so they're gonna be called probably gonna be called the squirrel basics from now on yeah um there some of them are easy to find some of them are not so easy to find the plains is the easiest in the clouds and well, maybe the maybe the was it the island? I think I think this. Well, I'm not going to spoil where they are. Well, the island I think is actually the easiest. The island's probably the easiest. I'm still having trouble finding it in the mountain. Uh, rightmost peak. We'll talk later. Rightmost peak. We'll talk later. Look in the peaks. I'll tell you that. Okay. Anyway, use your head. Look in the um, peaks. There you go. That's your that's your tip. Yeah. Just just Anyways, the tip. It, it's going to be a really funny, really great set. I'm excited to. Uh, to jet kit bash it together and see how it goes. And I think honestly, um, and I think honestly too, just for kind of the casual thing, just having the ability to, you can separate this sleeve up all of the cards in like the same color sleeves kind of thing like that. Yeah. And then that way you, when you're done playing, you just separate them back out by color and then you can play again and, you know, roll a dice to see who gets first pick, you know, first person, you know, draft it, you draft the colors, be like, I want to play green. Okay. Now I'll take red. And the other person's like, Oh, okay, well fine. I'll take blue. And you take white, so no one's playing black. I would keep... just do it at random, just like grab them blind. Well, yeah, but I mean, it's kind of cool too. You can draft. Like, there's ways you can do there's it. There's a lot of ways yeah. that you can you can get bash these together. So I think that they did a great job in terms of designing that kind of thing. So anyway, I good also job. think that this is a great silver border set because while unstable was great, um, because they had to make an entire set that took up a lot of design time, and as a booster product, you'll buy these boosters because of the lands that are inside them because the lands are the best thing about the unproducts. And then the rest of your cards are just, just draft chaff. You know, no one's excited about, you know, I have like I have, when you open it, when you open Theros, you're not excited to open, you know, Nyxborn Corsair, the one white, white, two, four enchantment creature. Hey, John, you know, speaking yeah. of opening Theros, roll that D6 I asked you about earlier. Oh, sure. Yeah. So Ian was at uh, Magic Fest, New Jersey. That's going to be the first uh, part. So that this, the main, we're going to the thing. We're going to do a little tournament report for me. I was in a PTQ. Yeah. But first, I've got some prize packs that I won. Roll that beautiful D6. Uh, it was a four. Okay, so that will be the Elspeth pack. So I had three packs. I had one with the Cerberus on it, one with Elspeth, one with Calyx. Uh, first one was one, two, then three, four, then five, six. So hey, put some respect on, respect on Kernaros' name. Yeah, whatever. It's Underworld Douche. Oh so, side note, I just saw the... So, the art for B.O.B. is traditional. It is huge. <gasps> it goes from Jeff's, like, eye level to waist level. 
yeah that's cool okay so we got i just i burned big piece we have an ad token not even like an actual token token but it's from magic arena no table required cool uh we have a full art non-foil swamp and let's go through this. All right, so we got Rapid Flames, three in a red. Sorcery deals one damage to each of up to three target creatures. They can't block this turn. So, Falter. Right in the heroic-ish deck. Falter effects, not bad. Uh, Sentinel Eyes, really good one, actually. Uh, it's a white enchantment aura. Enchant creature gets plus one, plus one vigilance and has escaped for white and exiled two other cards from your graveyard. Solid, solid pick if you want to go uh, enchantments. Next up, we- Look with your special eyes. Yeah. Look, look with your starry eyes. Stampede Rider, two in a red, two, three, satyr with trample at the beginning of each combat if you control a creature with power four or greater, so ferocious. Stampede Rider gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. Pig Suey. You were talking about Nyxborn Courser, right, John? Yeah. That's the next card in the pack. Hey. One white, white, two, four, enchantment creature, centaur scout. That's it. It's vanilla. <laughs> Underworld Charger, two in a black, three, three, nightmare horse. It can't block. It has escape four in a black. Exile three other cards from your graveyard, and it escapes with two plus one plus one counters on it. Solid pick, but not what I'm going for. Yeah. A a classic sideboard staple, plume or plummet. It's a one in a green instant destroy target creature with flying. Whee! Ooh, this is a, this might bump Sentinel's eyes out depending on what kind of deck you like. We have Omen of the Dead, this, the one, uh, single black pip enchantment flash. When Omen of the Dead enters the battlefield, return target creature card from graveyard to your hand. And like all the omens, you can pay two in a black or two in a color. Sacrifice Omen of the Dead, scry two. But we also have another omen right after that. This is the Omen of the Hunt. Two in a green, enchantment flash. When Omen of the Hunt enters the battlefield, you may search your library for a basic land card, put it onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle your library. And I was watching a Saffron Olive video, and this was doing some work in uh, Huey Jensen's uh, Bant Enigma pod deck. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. These uh, side note: these omens are actually really great. Like, I yeah. honestly, I, I was... they knocked it out of the park with the design on the omens. So, Omen of the Sea, the blue one, is seeing play in modern. Oh yeah, because it's instance. It's technically an instant speed um, preordain. pre-ordain. For one in a blue instead of just blue, which yeah, is was, which is act- thought, absolutely a, fine, especially oh, it's yeah. also seeing pioneer play too. Yeah, it was a four of in a all all instant speed um, blue red uh, through the breach deck. Oh, a draw go, nice. Yeah. So uh, next up, alter the pantheon. Not bad if you're looking to do some uh, devotion because it's a three mana artifact. Your devotion to each color and combination of colors is increased by one. And you tap, add one mana of any color. If you control a god, a demigod, or legendary enchantment, you gain one life. Our last common is Nylea's Huntmaster. So three and a green, four, three, Shantar Shaman. When Nylea's Huntmaster enters the battlefield, target creature you control gets plus X, plus O. Until end of turn, where X is your devotion to green. So not bad in those. I'm a little disappointed that the devotion payoffs at common aren't better. Yeah, they're a little lackluster this time. But after Gary... They kind of learned their lesson, I think. I think they're all gun-shy about because of Gary. Uh, I mean, there's also 11 cards tied up in Devotion with the demigods and then the gods. So That is true. All right, so this one, our first uncommon, is probably our, our current first pick. Uh, Archon of the Falling Stars, the four white, white, four, four creature Archon with flying. It says, when Archon of the Falling Stars dies, you may return target enchantment card from the graveyard to the battlefield. Mm-hmm. Very solid card. Uh, we got Heroes of the Revel, so this is one of the heroic-esque cards. We got it's a four and a red Seder Soldier. It's a four-four. 
When it enters the battlefield, create a 1-1 red satyr creature token with this creature can't block. Whenever you cast a spell that targets Heroes of the Revel, target creatures you control get plus 1, plus 0 until end of turn. This is a weird one. Uh, Sweet Oblivion, 1 in the blue, sorcery. Target player puts the top 4 cards of their library into their graveyard. With an escape cost of 3 in a blue, exile 4 other cards from your graveyard. So, I mean, you don't like mill win conditions? I mean, it's okay. But I'm pretty sure we're going to go with our rare as the first pick here because it is Elspeth Conquers Death. Yeah. Three white, white saga or enchantment saga. So remember, as reminder text for sagas, as this enters the battle, as this this saga enters and after your draw step, add a lore counter sacrifice after three. So number one, exile target permanent and opponent controls with CMC three or greater. Two, non-creature spells your opponent's cast. Non-creature spells your opponent's cast cost two colorless more to cast until your next turn, or two generic, I should say, not colorless. And three, return target creature or planeswalker card from your graveyard to the battlefield, put a plus one, plus one counter or a loyalty counter on it. So, pretty solid. I, I like that one. It's not a bad pack. I mean, Elspeth Conqueror's deck, yeah, Death is actually seeing standard play, so hey, yay for opening standard relevant cards. There you go. And also these, people are calling them the Pokemon basics, but... I kind of dig them. They do look like the energy cards, so... I dig them. Oh, speaking of that, they're also doing... Uh, what's it called? There's a games convention, like, for professionals or whatever like that out in Germany. Oh, um, Going on right now in Munich. Yes. And we got to see that Ultra Pro is doing a assortment of sleeves and playmats play and other sorts of stuff with, like, Chandra and the, uh, I guess... Symbol lands. The Knicks basics. The Knicks basics and stuff. So it's pretty cool. So anyway, yeah. let's go on the GP New Jersey because I got to talk about that quick. Uh, so I did the PTQ, which is Pioneer, and I played uh, Ryan Overturf's uh, Is It Phoenix Prowess deck. So what's different about this one is essentially all it's doing differently from the other versions of Phoenix that you might know is that it drops either the Pyromancer pa- uh, Young Pyromancer package or the Thing in the Ice package. So no Crackling Drakes, but it is playing Phoenix, dumping a lot of stuff in your yard, and it's playing four Soulscar Mage and four of the Monastery, Monastery Swift Spear. Correct. So I went 2-3 drop for dinner. Uh, basically, nice TLDR up front. The deck spins its wheels. It's relatively mediocre. So let's start off with the thing. So I started off. So there was a th- there's a common theme to the tables that I was at throughout the day. It was kind of like a dagger with the whole pilot thing lately. But anyway, I started off at table 690. So nice extra. Nice. What was funny is as soon as I saw it was in 690, I stopped looking for actual table numbers and looked for the one that was hand drawn because <laughs> they do that for tables 690 and 691. Wonder why. Anyway, I lost against Is It Pyromancer Phoenix uh, in three games. Basically, the closest, I guess, three games that I had. Basically, the closest round I had all day. Uh, turn game one, they got the Phoenix draw. We were able to cook off with uh, some of their discard stuff like that. Did they? Re- oh, another difference too is the version of the Prowess deck doesn't run Is It Charm, which honestly I think is needed. For Phoenix, seeing how as I was really hurting, I actually did not see a lot of my Phoenixes all day, to be honest with you. It was kind of weird. Yeah, I was drawing one half of the deck or the other one most of the day. But anyway, they got their Phoenix draw on 
their game on their turn game one game two i was on the, the play i got uh, my phoenix draw game three was kind of a lockdown slog fest until they kind of turned the corner and i just didn't have enough answers for their stuff and ended up dying should note that you might have seen on social media or you might not have if you weren't paying attention or just didn't care about it at all and weren't following the hashtag but this weekend at G- uh, magic fest new jersey was rather not great in terms of one the the event space size which is very tiny for a gp slash magic fest or whatever that is that close in proximity and since the caucus new jersey which is essentially right across the lincoln tunnel from uh, new york city so very close proximity to one of the largest cities in the country or the largest city in the country uh and also just a whole bunch of easy access through airports and stuff for people to come the main event was limited it was theros sealed and it was a 1400 player cap in an event space that could probably fit about 1800 people so i'll let you do the math on that one that leaves about 400 seats for other tables and other things to be so with all the side events and all the ptqs that were going on because they were running a sealed and a pioneer ptq each day my pioneer ptq was 180 people so if you factor that in plus the gp because i was doing it the same day i did on the saturday so it was the same day as the main event day one max players you're only looking at like 220 slots for another ptq that's sealed and then all the side events it was to put it mildly, a shit show. Yeah. Um, also, a side note, I heard from some friends who know things or hear things from where they happen to just be in the community uh, with such things that apparently midway through the day on Saturday, the AC stopped working as well, which definitely did not help. It was miserable. It was gross outside. It had been raining most of the day too, which really didn't help because if it had been decent out, people if they weren't doing things could have probably left for a little bit and came back also because it's such small event space and limited seating they actually stopped firing uh drafts throughout the day at one point they said basically limited is almost locked out and you will not be able to do a limited event unless you have a, a fanatic package that was on saturday and i had a buddy who was in the oh god he was just in a modern side event so like modern one or whatever, modern two, I think it was for the day for Saturday, got delayed an hour start because they didn't have space for it. Our PTQ was delayed an hour and a half because they realized they didn't have enough seats and had to wait for side events to finish before they could actually seat us and get us going. So we got the uh, cryptic uh, command PTQ promo that has the art from uh, Iconic Masters. Oh, it was Iconic Masters? Yeah, I was trying to remember which master yep. said it was. Yeah, the Iconic Masters one from Jason Ryanville. Really kind of nice. And as a mea culpa, they gave us a lightning bolt promo. And we also got a random playmat. Mine is the uh, M20 or the Core 2020 Ajani from GP Detroit last year. That's not bad. Yeah, it's a Ajani. It's like my second or third Ajani playmat <laughs> that I've gotten. But yeah, so anyway, it was kind of a, it was not the greatest, but. To be fair, apparently people were saying this is also a problem with GP New Jersey last year. I really hope that for next year when they do GP New Jersey, which is essentially almost GP New Jersey slash New York, that 
they find a better venue. Granted, I don't know how easy it is to find a venue up in that space that's going to be within budgetary reasons, but it was a miserable, miserable experience. How big is the the building that the event space was in? Not large. So would it be fair to say you take up most, if not all of it? Uh, all of it. All of it, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the issue is that, like, the same reason why when uh, GPs have come to – GPs haven't come to Nashville – since uh gp nashville which um was team uh team sealed with cons of tarkir to give you a sense of when that was so like five years um, ago got it yeah and then we had a pro tour here but you know pro tours are a much smaller event um and that's because event space in nashville is expensive it is not cheap to try to book a space of that size um, so the big question is going to be, is there a, another event space that Wizards could go to, or I guess CFB events could go to and be like, Hey, we need more space. We need more, we need a higher capacity. And of course the question is if it would fall under budgetary constraints. Yeah. So yeah, that- I hope like you did, I hope that they look at these last two events and go, we need a, we need a bigger playground and go somewhere and either look at somewhere else or figure something out yeah and honestly that's definitely probably one of the ma- most major considerations in hey why do we these same places keep getting pt or you know gps when we can just have them in other bigger markets i know i had heard this is not to be taken full face value but i'd heard that there was some issue with a previous card tournament that had happened at the philadelphia convention center and the people who run the convention center were like nope no more card tournaments period with exceptions for like packs unplugged because it's a side event of a major thing kind of but no like actual this is the major tournament because the first modern pro tour was at the philadelphia convention center and basically in the last seven years there hasn't been an event there like scg philly takes place out in valley forge because of these kind of things so anyway miserable experience hopefully it's better people were playing commander in the little lobby area like outside because it was a distinct coolness difference between in the expo hall main part and then when you walked out into just like the little rotunda area it was like at least a good 10 degrees cooler easily yeah. let's put this let's put it another way too so ultimate guard sidewinder uh not sponsored hashtag not sponsored uh makes sidewinder deck boxes which are the cool little like flip over top thing with the really nice strong magnets and such like that i use them for a bunch of my deck boxes because they're actually really nice Mm-hmm. things they've at one point made some color change ones where basically heat sensitive if you touch them with your hand they'll leave your fingerprints and stuff like that pick off the body heat now i had a blue one that with heat change turns greenish uh just leaving my deck box sitting out during the rounds it was green the literal ambient air temperature inside the vent hall was enough to turn a color sensitive color changing deck box permanently to its other color the hot color like that's how warm it was in there it was uncomfortable plus it also with bathing habits of people and just people in general in a large confined area with warm things it was really kind of smelly by the end of the day but let's get back to the tournament review because round two i played against blue eye control but this was this player told me they've been playing basically since last fall uh i beat them in two games rather quickly uh so i mentioned on twitter i finished my opponent in a pretty slick way but i wasn't going to mention because information didn't want to give away cyborg tech but i was running one 
So I dropped it. Ryan had two, but I dropped it down to one because I wanted to fit a disdainful stroke in my sideboard. But the Royal Scions, the one red and a blue planeswalker with five loyalty that has a plus one of draw card then discard, which is not bad with what this deck wants to do. Then it has a, because it's a nice easy way to loot without even having to spend mana to get a Phoenix turn going if you want it. Then it has a other plus one of target creature you control gets plus two, plus O, uh, first strike and trample until end of turn, which is nice, especially if you have a, uh, what's it called, a uh, creature with prowess, because you can pump them up big and then tack them on extra. That's what I did with one of my things. I actually hit for a whole bunch, made it like a seven, five or something like that, or six, five. Then it has a minus eight of draw four cards and then deal damage to any target equal to the number of cards in your hand. So I had had five in my hand from the previous turn or four hand, drew one for the turn up to five cards, then minus eight after I've ticked it up to nine. So it Royal Sounds was sitting at one and then I drew four cards and then shot my opponent for lethal in the face for nine. Didn't have to worry about attacking so I could avoid any kind of counter spells like uh, what's it called? absorb and anything like that literally just had onboard lethal just take it and blow their face off it was great so the, if you're playing blue red against a control deck that can't really deal with planeswalkers it's basically like a creature light uh, control deck it is such a great card advantage and card advantage engine against them and eventually can just win you the game so next that was the game won that one too so i was sitting at one and one then i played against blue white control that had a way better kind of package i guess because my god i just could not do anything uh, i lost in two quick two games to them it was kind of a slog but it was not really close once they sunk the hooks in and i game one i only drew like three creatures in the top like 35 cards in my deck which is rough <laughs> Uh, I think I that I think that game I cast Treasure Cruise twice in one turn, and and still did not hit a creature. It was bad. Ouch. Yeah, game two I actually kind of minorly tilted out towards the end because so my opponent had a rest in peace on the battlefield, had the White Castle land. I forget which one it is, Ardenvale. Yeah, Castle Ardenvale makes the one one. Yes, yeah, so they had one one human token. They had a. Five man to fairy ticking upwards, and it was on like seven. And then they stuck a dream trawler, yep, which is a new card. It's two blue, blue, white, white, three, five, flying lifelink. Whenever you draw a card, it gets plus one, plus oh. Whenever it attacks, you draw a card, you can discard a card to give it hexproof and tap it. Yeah. So when my opponent plays this, I'm sitting with five cards in hand and a bunch of lands out. And my opponent goes, Want to concede? Kind of like playfully that way. I'm like, I look at him, give him like my face dropped, and I gave him the like essentially the F no, but I just said no with a very cold tone because I had two lightning axe in hand. And if I had drawn a third lightning axe, I would have been able to, yes, waste all of my lightning axes with their hexproof triggers on the stack and would have actually been able to kill the dream trawler. Granted, that's kind of wasteful, but I have no other way to answer that card. So what I just did is I bought myself a couple turns with life. Basically, they would draw a card off to fairy with a draw from the turn and the draw before attack step, I would target it to tap it down, making them so they couldn't attack, just trying to buy myself some time to maybe fall drawn out or something. Didn't happen, but 
yeah, so my opponent, I told them that was kind of a jerk move to do and talk to some friends afterwards. And like, yeah, it's kind of like, why did they do that? I'm like, I don't know. It's whatever. The guy tried to say like, well, you know, I've had other people ask me if they want to concede. Here's the thing, guys. And the guys and listeners, I should say, don't ask your opponent if they want to concede, especially if you're ahead on board. Let your opponent make that decision for themselves. It's just the nice thing to do. Anyway. Like especially when it's very clear that your opponent has resources that they can use to try and answer the thing that's going on. Yeah, I had f- I had five cards in hand and seven untapped mana when they played Dream Trawler. I was like, I've got stuff to do. Yes, you are basically have a winning board state, but I'm going to try to draw to all of my outs. This is a PTQ. I'm not just going to say, oh, looks like you got me. Scoop it, go home. Like, heck no, we're not going to do that. Anyway, round four played against Blue Green Ramp and playing Uro, uh, Growth Spirals, and all sorts of other stuff. This was at the one and two bracket. My opponent was even like, I, like, he had a, actually, I forget where he's, his name is Femi, but he, uh, was saying like, oh, I've never, I haven't been cooking off with ramping at all, all game today, all day today. Uh, he cooked off against me. Basically, turn one Arboreal Grazer into a turn two Growth Spiral into a turn three Growth Spiral. And then basically he had an Eldrazi on turn, he had like a turn four Cavalier of Thorns into like a turn six or seven Eldrazi. And I'm just like, or he had like a turn six, what was it? Um, Emrakul. I was just like, yeah, we're done here. Next game, and then he had stuck a, um, he tried casting a Emrakul, but I got it with a Mystical Dispute. <laughs> and then he just ended up revealing a, uh, he went and found a, what was it? He cast a Traverse to Uvenwald, grabbing a Ulamog, and I was like, yeah, we're done. <laughs> yeah. Round five, my opponent no-showed. I was still live for prize tickets, but decided to say F it. And... Go to dinner with some friends, uh, namely Petey and Nick, the guys who I uh, teamed with for SCG Philly two previous events ago. And it was fun. Had a good day, a good way to end the day. It was kind of just meh with how gross and gunky it was. Uh, did get to see a whole bunch of other people that day. Some people from my chat. People recognized me from other channels and such like that, which is kind of cool, kind of nice. Uh, I was rooming with Ben Wheeler, the preeminent I guess, lands pilot. The preeminent pilot. The preeminent preeminent streamer, I guess you could say, of Canadian Highlander. That's a good one to do. I would say that that is the accurate. preeminent Canadian Highlander streamer. Uh, good guy. And But Ben Ben was having a rough weekend. He wasn't feeling great the first couple of days, and then his voice was like scratchy as all get out. But he's doing better now. It was just his voice needed to recover. Uh, I also was able to give away some prizes that I had people. So basically I did that charity stream for the early access event. And some of the people who won prizes were actually at the event. So I didn't have to ship things. Yay. <laughs> so the next day I decided to uh, just do a, I was going to do the modern double up, but I slept in and woke up at like 10, 10 and it started at 10 o'clock. So I was like, eh, whatever. I'll just play the next modern constructed thing, which was at one thirty, And I went two Oh one. So that means uh, two, two wins and one tie gets you 300 prize tickets. Like a 3-0 gets you 400. A 2-1 gets you 200. So I just looked at my opponent as soon as he was coming. Before he even sat down, I'm like, do you want to just play one and scoop and just split the tickets? He's like, play and, scoop, play and split. Sure, let's do it. Uh, so in that event, if you follow me on Twitter, uh, you would have seen that I played a grand total 
of 25 turns over the entire three rounds that I played. Infect wins quick, yo. Yeah, it does. Uh, first opponent was Tron. <laughs> so, wins quick. Yeah, uh, I beat them turn four in game one. They were on the play. Or, and then turn two, or game two, it went a little something like, I kept a serviceable hand of, it was scale up, might of old Krosa, two blighted agent, uh, a fetch, ink moth, and, oh god, what's the name? Pendlehaven. Almost the perfect hand, essentially. On the draw, I draw none other than Once Upon a Time. And I hit in my Once Upon a Time a choice between Noble Hierarch and Glistener Elf. And I'm like, it's Tron, Glistener Elf. So I get the turn one Glistener Elf pass. They play a land, Spatial Contortion, my Glistener Elf. I'm like, all right, fine, whatever. Turn two, draw, I think it was like a Vines of Vastwood. Play my Blighted Agent, or one of the Blighted Agents, pass the turn. They then go... Or they had, on turn one they had played a map, so that's that's important here. So they crack. So on their turn three they crack the map, get a blast zone, which tells me they had the other Tron piece in hand, which they did. They play the mine, which then taps for two to make a one-one walking ballista, which then shoots down my blighted agent. I'm like, okay, fine. Draw off my think card for the turn. I don't remember what it was. Whatever. Slam play Pendlehaven. Tap my breeding pool and uh, Ink Moth, play Blighted Agent, pass the turn. Opponent goes, Blast Zone tapped with the counter. Pay seven, Karn. Minus Karn, target yeah. your uh, Blighted Agent. I'm like, tap green, finds a Vastwood. Untap, and I just go, green, green, there's the win. They're like, yep, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and then... The next game, or the next round, round two, I earned car killer status. So for those who don't know what car killer status is, round one and round two opponents, they flew in, but they're buddies, and they basically drove and flew in together and were roommates. So I got car killer status by beating blue-green uh, Urza. First game, I got him in, I think I was like four or five turns. And the next one took like seven or eight, because Archmage's Charm is really good against uh, Infect. The final mode of uh, gain control of target creature with converted mana cost one or less. Yeah, there's a lot of yeah. one CMC creatures in that. Oh, it's non land. It's, it's not power, it's permanent. It's non land. Yeah, it's permanent steel, but it's non land, so it can't take Ink Moth. So I had to basically draw till I hit one of my dismembers to kill their Gilded Goose when they were tapped out and couldn't give it protection or some crazy thing. Then I was finally able to saddle up an Ink Moth next with enough pump spells to win. And then I actually lost against my third round opponent who was on mono red prowess uh they actually chained three mana morphos together in the same turn and cast another spell and or it's like three mana morphos something else and then they cast a bolt to my face and then had two creatures with prowess which is enough to hit me for lethal so i would have no idea what that feels like oh it's <laughs> it was uh it was well, it had the creature component you wouldn't have in your deck john well, I mean, I've definitely chained like six metamorphoses together, but that's beside the point. Yeah. No, it, it was a fun event, but still, we basically like, yep, cool, let's go. Grab my tickets, then bought 18 packs of Theros, one of which we opened tonight. So hey. I'm planning on save. I'm probably going to open up three more of them and then save a bunch for when Lindsay comes into town and we'll do some pack wars. But yeah, that was my GP New Jersey. Uh, oh, also, at the end of the day, we went out to dinner with Ben again and uh, somebody who was a Canadian Highlander fan. And 
we went to Red Lobster. Now, you might be thinking, what the hell are you going to Red Lobster for, Ian? Well, one Canadian, Benjamin Wheeler, has never been to Red Lobster and has never tried the Cheddar Bay Biscuits. Let's just put it this way. According to him, they lived up to the hype. The rest of the meal, mediocre, but the biscuits, that's why you go. And it was. I mean, you're basically paying a lot of money just to have cheddar biscuits. To be fair, I got the lobster Alfredo linguine, which was delicious. Good. So I didn't complain. I got a half bowl, was enough for leftovers, and made two meals out of it. So excellent. Anyway, that was my GP New Jersey. It was a long drive. Uh, would I go again? Maybe if a different venue, but you better like the format because, man, that place is miserable if not. So. Yeah, I, I'm very happy I decided to go to Austin instead of New Jersey. Yeah, absolutely. You uh, you made the right call there, buddy. <laughs> so anyway, John, let's. Anyway. So that's enough about my stuff. Let's uh, let's switch over to you. And you made some cube updates lately. I did. Um, as everybody knows, I have a cube. I put a link in the show notes for you to peruse. It's also on my Twitter on my some of my recent tweets. If you scroll through there, and I got some traction based on some of the uh, swaps I made. Um, one of the swaps is Theros Agnostic. Uh, I took out Mizium Tank from War of the Spark for Through the Breach because I didn't have it in there. So now I've got Through the Breach, which is a good card just to have. It's a general generic good cube card. It helps add redundancy to the sneak attack style decks. And it's just, like I said, just good. It's good. So it's good. Play it. Uh, now into the Theros cards. Um, I cut Spirit of the Labyrinth, which is one in a white for a 3-1 enchantment creature that says... Um, each player can't draw them more than one card each turn. It wasn't really seeing a whole ton of play. Um, yes, it could host the control decks, but I didn't feel like that was a axis that it was that the white decks were fighting on anymore. So I cut it for Eidolon of Obstruction, which is one of the white for a 2-1 enchantment creature uh, spirit with first strike. And then every Planeswalker loyalty ability costs an additional one mana. So your Planeswalkers have to be cast off curve if you want to activate them that same turn. Which is gonna, which I think is going to be a very powerful effect, especially considering that I have many of the best planeswalkers in the cube in general, like Jace the Mind Sculptor, Karn, Ugin, um, Elspeth Sun's Champion, Oko, stuff like that. Uh, next, I cut Thalia Heretic Cathar, which is two and a white for a three-two first strike legendary creature, human soldier. Uh, creatures and non-basic lands your opponents control enter the battlefield tapped. She was a very powerful card, a very good effect. But she just wasn't seeing a whole ton of play, and I'm someone who loves my white weenie decks, my white aggressive decks, and Thalia wasn't even making the cut there. Um, and I cut her for Heliod Suncrowned, a uh, two and a white 5-5 five, five legendary enchantment creature god. Uh, he's indestructible, can't be a creature unless your devotion to white is five or greater. Uh, whenever you gain a life, you can put a plus plus encounter on target uh, enchantment or creature you control, and you can pay one and a white to give another target creature lifelink until end of turn. I feel like Hilly's going to be a very, very good card in cube, just as a white weenie card. Uh, being indestructible is huge, and then incidental life gain is, is good against like the the red decks in the format, and I think that Hilly's going to be really good. Also, walking ballistas in the cube, and that combo is very cute, and so it's another way to kind of end the game um, in a in a spectacular fashion, although I do think that the combo has its weaknesses. That's fair. Next, I cut Nimble Obstructionist, which was from Our Devastation. Two and a blue for a 3-1 flash flyer bird wizard. Uh, it has cycling for two and a blue, and when you cycle it, you can counter target activate other triggered ability. Uh, I just feel like it's... Of of my three drops, it was the one that I felt the worst. I felt the less bad about removing. Um, but I cut it for Caliphae Beloved of the Sea, 
uh, one blue blue legendary enchantment creature demigod. She is a star three, your, and her star power is equal to your devotion to blue. And then she also has an ability that says creatures and enchantments you control each have a counter target spell or ability that targets them unless they. It's basically a one man attacks on targeting any of your enchantments or any of your creatures. She's another mono blue devotion payoff. I already have Thassa in the cube. I already have Master of Waves in the cube. It's just another way to power up that deck, and Caliphate can get really, really big if you're trying to optimize for that. Yeah, it's just I do, putting, sticking a Force Spike, essentially. Yeah. I am considering putting in more blue tempo cards to try to enable it more, something like Terramander, Benthic Biomaster, uh, Hypnotic Sprite, Harbinger of Tides, stuff like that. Curious Obsession would be great in a mono blue devotion strategy. Tempest Jin, And then kind of like on the mentioned. top end. Tempest huh? Jin, like you mentioned. Yeah, Tempest Jin, Gadwick. Uh, those would be some very powerful cards to help push this along. And then also I'm thinking about maybe adding in a couple of like the, the mini hybrid cards uh, from either Throne of Eldrain. I don't think any of those make it in. Um, or from uh, Shadow More Eventide, like Wistful Selkie is three blue-green, blue-green, blue-green for a 2-2 that draws a card. It's not embarrassing, but there's a whole – there's many better Simic cards that you could include over Wistful Selkie and you wouldn't feel bad about it. Yeah, And Stifle Bird uh, – it's a nimble obstructionist. This is an okay card. Uh, it, 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 yeah. it pops in and out of my Highlander deck. Yeah. Um, moving on to red. I made a lot of red swaps. Uh, one of them was Dual Caster Mage for Phoenix of Ash. Uh, Dual Caster Mage was one red red for a 2-2 with Flash. That when he enters the battlefield, you can copy an instant or sorcery. Choose new targets for the copy. And then Phoenix of Ash is one red red for a 2-2 Flying Haste. You can pay two and a red to give it plus two plus zero oh until end of turn. And it has escape for two red, red, exile three other cards. And when it escapes, it escapes as a 3-3. Recurring threats are really good in aggressive decks. And I think Phoenix of Ash is one of the better ones. Um, we'll get to one of that other swaps in that same vein a little bit later. Uh, other card, this was a hard cut for me to make. I cut Hanwir Garrison, which is two and a red for a 2-3 uh, human soldier, I think it is. And whenever it attacks, you put two 1-1 red humans into play tapped and attacking for NX Hardened in the Forge. Annex is one red red for a star three demigod, legendary enchantment creature, all that fun stuff. Uh, his power is equal to your devotion to red. And whenever a creature you control dies, make a one one satyr that can't block. And if that creature um, has power four or greater, make two satyrs instead. Um, Annex is just really, really good at recovering from a board wipe, which is something that red decks have, excuse me, have some trouble with. And so I think that's going to play well. And then also Annex triggers off himself so fun, if he gets swollen. Yeah, fun things. I had a, a buddy who was at the event who ended up, in, I think it was one of the sealed events they were doing. It might have been the main. They had a red-black sack deck that had two Annex in it and a, tim- and a Timoret. Ooh. Yeah, it was pretty disgusting. It was, it was, a, uh, it was a very solid sack, blue red, or black-red sack deck. Good, good, good. Uh, next red cut was Hammer of Perforos, which is one red red for a legendary enchantment artifact. Um, creatures you control have haste, and you can pay two and a red and tap it and sack a land to make a 3-3 enchantment creature golem. I cut it for a Perforos Bronze-Blooded. Perforos Bronze-Blooded is four and a red for a 7-6 legendary enchantment creature god, all the god stuff. Other creatures you control have haste, and you can pay two and a red to put a red creature or artifact creature from your hand onto the battlefield. And then sacrifice it at the end of the turn. It's basically a sneak attack. Um, so I'm putting it in as a third sneak style effect. Uh, now, Perforos is really, really good, not just with big red creatures like Dragon Lord of Tarka, which is in the cube, uh, but also artifact creatures. So, for example, I have Sphinx of the Steel Wind in my cube, and that is a 
artifact creature that Perforos can put into play. Um, now, I might need to look into adding some more big artifact creatures. Like, I'm thinking Inkwell Leviathan, if you really want to keep playing it with Perforos, but we'll see. Um, next cut I made is I cut Ravager Worm, which was the Cryptic Command creature with Riot from, uh, from, uh, Ry- Ravnica Allegiance for Clothis God of Destiny. Clothis is one red green for a four five god. Uh, she's not a creature unless your devotion to red and green is seven or more. Uh, and then she has the beginning of your pre-combat main phase. Exile a card from a graveyard. If it's a land, add red or green. If it's a non-land, uh, deal two damage to each opponent and you gain two life. I think Clothis is really good. She's a big beater. She is a in- indestructible sulfuric vortex. And it's going to be really interesting to see how she plays. Yeah, it's... um. I, she's she's really good. <laughs> like, she is really what, good. What else can you really say about her? She's just like a super solid card. I know Lindsay has dibs uh, on one for whenever. Yes. <laughs> she's like, hey, if you open one dibs, I'm like, yeah, sure. Get right in your commander deck or get right in your Highlander deck to beat me with. Sure, fine. Yep. Uh, first of my controversial cuts, I cut Young Pyromancer, which for those who don't know is one in a red for a 2-1 human shaman yeah. wizard. Wizard, um, whenever you cast an instant or sorcery, um, create a 1-1 one, one red elemental for Underworld Rage Hound. Underworld Rage Hound is one in the red for a 3-1 uh, elemental hound. Uh, he attacks each combat if able. He has escape for 3 in a red and exile 3 other cards. And when it escapes, he escapes as a 4-2 with a 1 plus plus counter on it. It's a, it's a um, shaman, by the way. I just looked at it. It's a shaman? Cool. Uh, so I, cut, I made this cut, understanding that Young Pyromancer is... One of the better red cards in cube in general. Spells matters. Decks usually are blue red. Yes, usually blue red. Now, one of my friends asked me, you know, what what how many red spell payoffs do you have in your cube, anyways? And I'm like, does Sahili Sublime Artificer count? Because she's blue red, blue red hybrid. Yeah. Um, but I don't really have that many. Like I've got the prow- I've got a couple of prowess creatures in red, which are Monastery Swift Spear and Abbot of Carol Keep. Um, I have Crackling Drake, but Crackling Drake's just a good card in blue-red. Um, I didn't actually, I just don't have that many actual payoffs for making a bajillion tokens with Young Pyromancer. And Young Pyromancer is really fragile. It can take over a game, absolutely, but my cube was not built or designed around that. And I'm, I'm playing like a legacy-style cube. I don't have power. I don't have like Ancestral Recall. I don't have the really, really degenerate things that help make Young Pyromancer really, really good. So I made that cut for Underworld Rage Hound, which is an aggressive creature, and it keeps coming back over and over and over again. Um, so again, and this is also a good thing for me to note, um, I'm very aggressive when it comes to adding and removing cards from my cube. I'm much more willing to add Underworld Rage Hound over Young Pyromancer, realize in a month or two that was a bad idea, and swap them back. It's not like I took the Young Pyromancer and threw it in the trash. <laughs> you know, the, the, a cube is a living, breathing entity. And it, things will change, and things will come, and things will go. So that's just a decision that I made, um, which leads into kind of the next decision, which is I cut Elspeth Knight Errant, which is the best Elspeth Planeswalker ever printed um, for Elspeth Sun's Nemesis. And I've talked about how Elspeth Sun's Nemesis. I'm sorry. Nemesis hold on. Hold on. Hold on. What? <laughs> yeah, I cut Elspeth Knight Errant for Elspeth Sun's. No, Nemesis. no, no. You said the best Elspeth printed. Well, I mean. Elspeth Sun's Nemesis is also really good. I was going to say, like, Sun's Champion's looking at you like, what What am I, chopped liver? Sun's Champion is the better control finisher. Okay. 
and will end the game faster than Knight Errant, but Knight Errant had a stronger pedigree being the first Planeswalker with two plus abilities. I will agree with you there. Here's why. Also, four mana is way easier to cast than six. Here's why I agree with you, because I actually won a game against the Jeskai Highlander Mirror this weekend because of Elspeth Knight Errant, so continue. Yeah, fair. Um, Now, my rationale kind of boils down to a couple of things. Um, and I, I did an entire Twitter thread on it. The link's in the show notes. Um, it basically boils down to the fact that I didn't want to add an additional Planeswalker to the cube um, without removing one. And while I could have done some calculus to like remove a different colored one to add one in for white, I felt like it was more in the spirit of things just to cut one of my Planeswalkers for Sun's Nemesis. And so I was looking at the four Planeswalkers I have in mono white. They're Gideon, Ally of Zendikar, Gideon, Blackblade, Elspeth, Knight, Errant, and Elspeth, Sun's Champion. And of those four, Sun's Nemesis plays a similar role in my mind to Knight, Errant. So, I, that's the swap that I made. And some people made notes of like, well, here's the thing. Elspeth, Knight, Errant is way better in the moat deck. And I'm like, have you seen my cube list? I don't have moat in it. I'm not playing, you know, some of the dumb idiot cards like Upheaval. I'm not playing Upheaval because I hate the card. I'm not playing Moat because the Moat's uninteractive. Oh. There's a lot of cards that I could be playing in my cube that I'm not. And when you compare, when you say, make an argument for your cube, like, well, my Aaron is better in the Moat deck. And then look at my cube and there's no, there's no Moat in it. So why is that a concern that I have to have? So ultimately it's my cube and I do what I want. But there were reasons behind why I made that swap. Yeah, it, it's a very reasonable and well thought out swap once you mention like hey this is the reasoning why behind it but obviously you have 280 characters on twitter and you can't get all of that out in one shot and people are still going to think why are you cutting this one this people are very hyperbolic about uh even sun's nemesis at this point so i I wouldn't be surprised even if you've been like look i cut tybalt for sun's nemesis they'd be like yeah sorry got Um, got a little uh had a little water in my throat there Wow. Actually, no, wait. That uh, was now the that said, <laughs> I mean, that said, you know, there's still cards from Theros and even from Eldraine that I want to add to my cube. I put a little bit here. Um, these are the cards that I'm looking to add to my cube that I haven't already yet. Uh, Questing Beast, Wicked Wolf, Gilded Goose, Once Upon a Time, Dry to the Elysian Grove, Destiny Spinner. Now to the non-green yeah. cards. Acclaimed Contender, Taranika, Shadow Spear, Eat to Extinction. Uro, Titan of Nature's Wrath, Escape Velocity, Storm's Wrath, Woe Strider, Hushbringer, Realm Cloaked Giant, Black's Lance Plaragon, Rankle, Master of Pranks, Embercleave, Slaying Fire, Torbrand, and Stone Coil Serpent. Yeah, it's there's a lot of green there. Oh, fun story. I got another friend of mine. Uh, so Robert, he is uh, he's Hallie's husband. Hallie works for Card Kingdom and such. Uh, he has a cube. Uh, Hallie and them. Hallie and Robert have a cube where it's basically all the sets they've played uh, since they started playing again. So basically it's like modern cube plus all the ancillary products essentially. And he just cut like prime time nature, uh, natural order. And there's one other big green ramp card that basically he cut just because green was too good. (laughs) So you really have to look at bouncing green, especially if you want to add that many green and it's, I know it can't be easy. Curating a cube is something that would be fun to do, but I just don't have the brain space and give a dang to do it. Yeah, I understand that. And then also, like, uh, remember when I was talking about Throne of Eldraine, I said that Linden wasn't that exciting for me for cube? 
Linden being the steadfast queen, white, white, white for a 3-3 vigilance, that whenever a white creature you control attacks, you gain a life. Oh yeah, I played that during the uh, early early release event, and Linden was pretty decent in the Heliod mono-white combo decks. Yeah, yeah I'm thinking about adding her now that Heliod's in the queue, because Linden plus Heliod is just so just great. choice. Also, if you get a chance to, and you want life gain effects again, just look at Daxos, because Daxos is peace drunk. Yeah, I'm not sure about Daxos, but I will. I'll leave room for me to be impressed. I mean, if you have like token generators and stuff like that, because it's essentially a Soul Sister style effect. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, it, it's fun. I, I have to do speaking like you. You need to do a pass still with uh, your Thrones of Eldraine and Theros cards. I still need to do like a revamp of my Highlander deck with those. The only thing I think I've added to it is Mystic Sanctuary, which is just because it's so broken. Oh, I did the. Uh, I actually got the the loop going, the semi lock loop. Oh, nice! With a uh, cryptic command. Cryptic command bou- bounce this target your spell. Yeah, yeah that's, that's really pretty good. good. Uh, I will say, I did make one change to one of my commander decks. Oh, okay. Um, I added Kiora Best the Sea God to Brutaclad. Oh, baby! Because Brutaclad can turn all of my stupid tokens into eight eight hexproofs now. So good. Plus, it's just a beater. Yeah. I was goldfishing like one point earlier today, and I got up to 600 some odd tokens of 600 Krakens. Oh my god, I love it. Also, Nadir Kraken, probably good in that deck for making a... Yeah, it's also on the list to get it. I just didn't didn't order it when I made this order for new cards. Oh yeah, it's only like like a dollar or two, which is not bad. I need to put put Fricks into my uh, Highlander deck. Oh, fun fact, just want to give y'all at home a lovely warning. We, I know we keep mentioning, if you have a Magic Fest near you, just go for side events. It's fun, even if you don't want to do the main. However, if you win prize tickets, please double check the pricing equivalents before you go purchasing singles with your prize tickets. Here's why. Quick aside. So a pack of Theros, a pack of anything in standard is roughly 20 tickets. So a pack at your LGS is roughly $4. So let's say 10 tickets is equivalent to $2, correct? Fine. Mm-hmm. Thrix listed in the casing at 10 tickets. So that would say that his dollar equivalent should be roughly around $2. Well, if you go online, you can get them for about 50 cents at most online vendors. So you were paying nearly a four times markup just because you could pay with prize tickets. Don't do it. <laughs> There are some cards that are deals. Most of the time, singles at the prized wall are not worth it. So there you go. That's Pro great. tip. Pro tips. Anyways, I think that does it. I still need to catch my breath a little bit from how much I ranted there. <laughs> so Ian, where can people find you if they wanted to find you on social media? You guys media? can find me on Twitter at DixonIJ. That is D-I-X-O-N-I-J. You guys can also find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Dix. Yeah, I got nothing else. <laughs> I mean, I'm... Oh, so my happy butt is basically shelving uh, the Is It Phoenix decks for right now in Pioneer because it's not that great. I'm also going to be streaming a little bit maybe this week and over the weekend and next week. Uh, also, there are two P- Pro Tour streams this weekend because... Yeah, there's... Nagoya and Brussels. Non-stop magic. Yeah. I will be streaming maybe when I'm not modding. Or, and I'm just relaxing this weekend too. But next week, I need to do some final GP Philly or SCG Philly prep potentially. Still looking for a team. If you know anybody, hit me up. But yeah, 
Philly might not even be fully happening yeah. either because I have like some work thing that might come up, but I just found out about today. But yeah. Yay, work. Um, anyway, John, where can they find you? You guys can find me on Twitter at jwiley129. That's J-W-I-L-E-Y-129. You can also find me on Twitch at the same handle. So if you see me floating around a chat room, don't hesitate to say hi. Uh, I also, when I got my big cube order in, ordered four Underworld Breaches and four Thassa's Oracles, just in case. Uh, I have gotten Splinter Twinned out by that Underworld Breach uh, Hidden Strings combo deck a couple times. Deck is It's sweet. ridiculous. Yeah. If you want to find the podcast directly, you can hit us up in one of two ways. You can hit us up on Twitter at Eyes and the Mice, or if you have a more personal question, you can shoot us an email at eyesandthemice at gmail.com. We would love to hear how we can best improve the podcast for you, our lovely listeners. On behalf of Ian, I'm John. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next time. <laughs>